Speaking in tongues. A few weeks ago, Jean Guthrie came and spoke in the morning. And uh, she, she made quite a ruckus here. I mean, we had, I think the entire church came up, was receiving prayer, and people were falling over, and it was just a, a chaotic moment. And the whole time she's just talking to us about tongues, got to speak in tongues, speak in tongues. And it kind of raised a question amongst the eldership if we have equipped our people with tongues. A few of us were chatting, and, and so as we were uh, talking, we were chatting with the staff as well about tongues, we realized not everybody could under, or understood what tongues w was, uh, and, uh, and, 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 well, or had some a little bit confusing ideas around tongues. And tongues is one of those things that can be super confusing. And in that moment, I knew I need to preach about this. So I actually volunteered and said, Stan, I want to preach about tongues. And so thus, here we are, talking about this gift. And I really feel a stir in my own heart to, to help bring sometimes confusing topics like this to the church in a clear way. Now, I did an, an enormous around, uh, amount of reading to prepare for this sermon. I read so many commentaries. I prayed. I sought God. And uh, the reason I had to really go for it is because even the commentators are confused about tongues. They, you can read six different commentaries around 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 and get six different opinions about what Paul was trying to achieve there. And uh, sadly, some of the, even the men that I really respect, I thought, boy, you, can't, you have totally misunderstood this. When you compare it with some of the other guys that have, been chat, uh, that, that have been writing on the subject, I really found possibly the best on this was Gordon Fee. Or he's, a, he's a Pentecostal theologian, um, and he really was the clearest. And I actually found so many of the guys quoting him that I thought, i got to go read this guy as well. So God uh, uh, embracing the presence of God, brilliant book. And uh, so I just want just to put that out there to say that if you are confused, don't worry. Others are confused as well. And some of you are like, I'm not confused. I just speak in tongues. It just comes. It's just easy. Well, I'm going to give you the background as to why what you're doing is so good and so healthy and why it needs to be a part of your everyday life. I remember the first time I ever heard somebody speaking in tongues. I was 10 years old. My parents were missionaries in West Africa. And we were at this African-speaking church, and, they were, uh, and there was a, a white missionary, English-speaking missionary, that was next to me. And the pastor said, let's all pray together. And I remember him bowing his head, and he, and he started in English, and he's praying in English, and then somewhere he transitions into speaking in tongues. And I knew it was tongues because it wasn't French, which was the language we were all speaking in that, in that local church. And it wasn't French, and he went into this, and, he's, and, he's, and it was a weird thing, and he's just getting more passionate, and I was getting more freaked out. I thought, what in the world is this guy doing? He is going off in just another language all of a sudden. And I remember distinctly that moment without knowing what tongues were, was. I knew that something supernatural was happening to this guy. And it wasn't until 20 years later, and I'm going to tell you that story just now, that I first had my own experience with, sorry, 20 years later, 10 years later, when I was 20, that I had my first experience with tongues. But let's ask the simple question, what is tongues? What is tongues? And this is the definition, just my, uh, it, it's, it's a biblical definition, but just my own words that I've put together. An unlearned language, keyword unlearned, unlearned language given by the Holy Spirit, another key thought, as a gift to connect with God 
in deep, profound, and life-changing ways. An unlearned language given by the Holy Spirit as a gift to connect with God in deep, profound, and life-changing ways. Here's a more concise definition that I'm going to come back to in a moment. It's the Holy Spirit in us connecting with God. It's the Holy Spirit in us connecting with God. Now notice I say the word connecting. Connect. Not the Holy Spirit in us communicating with God. See, when we're communicating with somebody, there's a two-way conversation, and we're understanding. Often, whenever you're speaking in tongues, you're not understanding what you're saying. It's just this deep connection that happens and communication's not happening. That's why tongues in a public setting needs an interpreter so that can become communication. It goes from connecting to communicating. Right. So that's a key thought, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Here are three things. Tongues, firstly, is a sign. Turn with me to Acts 2. It's where we first see tongues introduced to the human population, or that as far as we can tell. Tongues, Acts 2, says this, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, so Pentecost was 10 days after the ascension, it's 50 days after the resurrection, and Pentecost was a, uh, was a celebration that the Israelites did. So a bunch of people have come in from all over the place to Jerusalem. When it arrived, they were all gathered in one place, speaking about the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, now this sound was massive, big enough that it brought people from all over the city to hear it, to see what was happening. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, or you could translate that in other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now obviously that's a little bit hard to believe, but think of it in terms of the English that we say, hey, everybody was at the party. So it's communicating that there were just, it, it, far and wide there were all sorts of people, okay? Every nation. In other words, a whole lot of different tribes and cultures were there. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. So they're coming out. They're fine, coming closer. And they were bewildered because each one, each one, now there's a whole bunch of nations there. So you can imagine how many languages are being spoken now by these disciples. Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are these, uh, what, sorry, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, you got to understand, they didn't travel back then. It's not like they, you know, they could hop on a plane, fly over to France, get an experience of what French sounds like, learn a little bit, a few languages, a little bit of, you know, Christianese and French, you know, Jesus, Seigneur. And they come back and now they're trying to bring this up. They weren't traveling people. So if you learned a language, that was pretty incredible if you learned it outside of your little provincial area because you never traveled outside of your provincial area. So it was quite remarkable if you could do that. They didn't have apps. Parlez-vous français? Oui, je parle français. And you have to repeat the app. You know how all of you are trying to learn a different language? My son's learning Korean at the moment. Kamsa hamnida. Kamsa hamnida, we hear him saying on his, on his phone. Kamsa hamnida. 
And we're like, what are you doing? I'm learning Korean. That means thank you, by the way. Thank you, thank you. That's what that means. Now, and how it is that we hear each one of these in our native language. And then it lists like 13 different kind of languages. There's probably more than 13. They reckon 20 plus languages that were being spoken at least. And then it carries on and says, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? It's a sign. But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. And it often sounds like somebody's drunk when they're speaking in tongues. Oh, no, this, all of the glory to God. It does kind of sound like that. So now these are known languages that they're actually, that someone could potentially learn, but they did not learn it. It came upon them, and they had this experience that was supernatural. But now elsewhere in the Bible, it speaks about tongues in terms of, a, in terms of ecstatic, ecstatic utterances. An ecstatic utterance might not be a known language. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So Paul implies that he sees the possibility that speaking in tongues may include more than merely human speech. That's precisely why Paul also says that there is a gift of the interpretation of tongues. The reason there's a supernatural gift, you see you've got speaking in tongues, there's a whole bunch of gifts mentioned throughout 1 Corinthians. There's seven different lists of gifts mentioned throughout 1 Corinthians. And every single one of those lists, tongues is the only one that appears on all seven. So Paul was, this was, that was a book about tongues. It was a book he was trying to address something we'll speak about in a moment. But speaking in tongues, also there's a gift of supernaturally interpreting tongues. Now why do you need a supernatural gift of interpretation? if it's just a language that needs to be actually translated. So you don't need something, a supernatural gift to the interpretation. It can just be language. Paul understood, was part, trying to explain. We see that speaking in tongues, it might be a human language, but it also might be something outside of this world. Heavenly language. So there's space for both of those in terms of speaking in tongues. Supernaturally, something from the Lord. So it's a sign. A sign, firstly, that the curse of Babel has been reversed. Remember Genesis 11? Man's pride came in and they wanted to build a tower that they could reach up to God and without God's help. With, they wanted to be independent and we can get to heaven without being surrendered to God. And so God came and he disrupts this little adventure that men had and he gives them all different languages. He divides them. They're all speaking one language and in a moment they're all speaking different languages. And they can't come together. And divisions went up. Divisions that still exist today because we have different languages. The division went up. But then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon all of these people. And now those that could not hear out of Babel, they could not understand each other from Babel, now could come together. And now all of a sudden the curse has been reversed. And now they hear each other in each other's language. The Holy Spirit coming and bringing tongues is a sign that the divisions have been come down through Jesus Christ. They've been broken. The divisions, every time we hear tongues being spoken, we should think through Christ and His Spirit, the walls of divisions have come down. Hallelujah. It's great when you hear someone speaking in tongues. You can be reminded, you can say, ah, oh, 
Christ did a good work here. He's brought us together. It's a sign. It's a sign that the curse of Babel has been reversed. It's also a sign authenticating the presence of the Holy Spirit. So apart from this first account in Acts 2, we see the gift of tongues being released upon the Gentiles in Acts 10 at Cornelius' house in Caesarea. So Peter goes and they speak in tongues. And it was a sign that the presence of God was coming to the Gentiles as well. That was coming there. And we see it in Acts 19 in Ephesus. A sign that the presence of God was with also the Gentiles. And praise God that Peter recognized it. Praise God for the gift of tongues that alerted him to the fact that, whoa, we need to take the gospel to more than just the Jews. We need to take it to the Gentiles because that's why we're all here. We got the gospel because tongues was a sign that the presence of God was to go to more than just the Jews. And it was a sign of the actual presence of God. A sign that God is indeed with someone. Speaking in tongues is a way that we can see. You see, Peter knew that God had filled them. <clears throat> Sorry, God, Peter knew that God had chosen the Gentiles because they were filled with the Spirit. But he knew they were filled with the Spirit because they spoke in tongues. Now, tongues is not the only way that we have evidence, a sign of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit, but it is the most common way in the Scriptures. Mostly that we see when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, we see them speaking in other tongues. And we realize, well, this is, a, this is a pretty common sign. And we should expect that even today. My own testimony is like that. It was my own experience with speaking in tongues that I realized that actually God is with me. Now, my brother and uh, my, my family grew up in a conservative denomination. And my parents were conservative missionaries, although they had experienced some pretty supernatural things. So they were open to the supernatural things of God. But we didn't know much about that. They didn't talk about it. You weren't allowed to talk about it in the denomination that we were a part of. So I didn't grow up hearing about tongues, knowing about tongues. I'd, had, I'd heard that one missionary who was a rogue missionary, closet charismatic is what they called them, and no one was allowed to know. And uh, I heard that one experience, but from that I didn't, I didn't know what it was. No one had explained it. I just remembered it. I just knew about it years later that that's what was happening. And so I didn't know about it. My brother comes, gets this experience. He goes to a church that was experiencing what was called the Toronto Blessing, and his life got radically changed. He and his friend come to my house, our, our house, ring the doorbell. Sorry, I don't ring the doorbell. He lived there. He comes into the house, and he says, Drew, Drew. <clears throat> and I come down the stairs, and he says, Drew, they haven't told us everything. I said, what are you talking about? He said, they haven't told us everything. They haven't told us about the Holy Spirit. There's so much more of God to be had. <clears throat> So now this was astonishing to me because he was not walking with the Lord at that time. So the fact that he came in saying, we got to pray and I need to pray for you because the Holy Spirit's real. I knew I had to receive it. I trusted him. So we went up to my parents' bedroom and because uh, his friend was shaking as well. So it was like, you know, come, 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 let's hide this and let's come to the bedroom if you're going to pray for me. So they prayed for me and I fell back on the bed and I shook in the power of God, but I didn't speak in tongues. But it was a taster of that there was more. It was like God saying there's more to come. So we started looking for churches that were experiencing this thing, and we went to one church. And, uh, and at this church, the pastor said, if you want more of God, come down. We took a friend of ours with us. He was a Christian. He was actually my 
He was actually my discipler as part of Campus Crusade for Christ, if you know what that is. And he was part, he was working with Campus Crusade for Christ. And we, he and I, we said, come and experience this with us. And uh, when they said, if you want more from God, I walked down to the front. And my friend said at that moment, I walked to the front and I got filled with the Spirit. And he said at that moment, he realized that I had fallen into a cult. Sadly, he fell away from the Lord and he's not walking with the Lord at all. He lives a very debaucherous lifestyle. So interesting. I press in for more of God. He resists it. Oh, just be careful tonight. If you're here and you're not sure, oh, be careful. The Lord wants so much more. And we could so miss it and get derailed. Tonight's the night. I just felt to say that. Tonight's the night for some of you to get lined up again. You keep pulling away. You keep pulling away. And the Lord will say, how, how long will you keep pulling away? And if you keep pulling away, there's danger. I just felt to say that. Come in, come in, come closer. Go to the front, press in. I pressed in, and I came to the front, and nobody laid hands on me. They had a ministry team, but there were too many of us that came forward. So I'm just by myself asking for more of God. And then all of a sudden, I fall back, and I just get filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I hit the floor, I start speaking in tongues. I had no idea what I was doing. Nobody told me about tongues. Never heard about tongues. And I just burst into tongues. Come on, I just start speaking in tongues. And it went on and on, and I could not stop speaking in tongues. I could not speak in English. It was impossible. I couldn't stop. And I was just, just praying and speaking and spitting it out. And it was all coming. And then, I don't know how long it was. It felt forever. It was probably just about three minutes or something. But it just felt like ten minutes of just carrying on. And then the power of God was so powerful with me that I burst into tears and, forget, and, and asking God forgiveness. And I was saying, God, please forgive me. I'm not worthy for you to touch me like this. I just, I don't worthy for you to touch me. And I just felt his love and his intimacy and his acceptance. And it was life-changing. And I'm just bursting into a fall. I'm crying. I'm shaking. And then this ministry team guy comes around. He leans down. He puts his hand on me and he says, Do, what's God doing? Do you know what God's doing? Now I understand what he was asking. But I look at him and I said, aren't you supposed to know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Don't you know? I thought you knew. You're like the guy in charge. Like you're the guy praying for me. I was like, don't you know? <laughs> I, can, I wonder what he ever thought. I actually wonder what he thought. But it changed my life. It brought me in. It was a sign that I had been accepted, that I was part of God and the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that God was with me. It's a sign also of authenticating, it's a sign authenticating the gospel of Christ, especially for unbelievers. That's how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. He says they're meant to come in and they're, be, they're like, whoa, there's something miraculous happening here. Now Paul explains that we need to actually bring them in and prophecy is actually more helpful from that moment on but it is a sign to the unbeliever wow God's doing something imagine when they came to the disciples in Acts 2 and you heard someone speaking in your own language you obviously say wow there's a miracle happening here there's a miracle it's quite powerful tongues is meant to be a sign that God uses in your life it's a sign, and as you, as you begin to engage with and you begin to, as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you receive the gift and you begin to practice the gift, 
every time you're doing it, you're declaring the walls have come down. You're declaring the presence of God is with me and with us. And you're declaring that this is a miraculous truth that Jesus Christ is certainly who he said he was. He's authenticated. Sign, tongues is not just a sign, it's also a doorway. Romans 8.26 says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Remember when I gave that concise definition, it's the Holy Spirit in us connecting with God. See, the Holy Spirit, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. God's Spirit comes. You are now a new creation, regenerated. You are, you are no longer the same. Christ lives in you by His Spirit. But now there's a subsequent filling. It's like the Spirit comes as a seal to say, you are my son, and you are there. Now, when we are subsequently filled with the Spirit, it's like the power of God now takes control of all of us. And often where he starts is by taking control of our tongues. That's why speaking in tongues is so often the sign. If he can have your tongue, then he usually can have the rest of you. Because the tongue, as James tells us, is the hardest thing to control. So it's often the hardest thing to surrender. And that's why God says, come, surrender your tongue, and your whole life will follow. <clears throat> and often being filled with the Holy Spirit then, as a subsequent experience, and going on to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as much as you can, as often as you can, and walking in the Spirit, as we heard tonight, is so key for us. It's so important, so that God could have all of us. <clears throat> and tongues is a part of that. Because tongues taps into the Holy Spirit within us, when we begin to speak in tongues, it's as if we, we are joining a heavenly conversation that the Spirit of God in us is having with the Father God and with Christ. It's like we step in a doorway, we step into the Trinity. And we find ourselves in tongues, all, all of a sudden, a doorway into this relationship that the Trinity is having because the Holy Spirit in us is connecting us to the, to the, the Trinitarian relationship. That's why so often when you speak in the tongues, you walk, you come in, you step through, the first thing you experience is intimacy. Intimacy. Because the, the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so intimate that they are indeed one. And you step in to this intimacy. The next thing you often get is a boldness, like they did in Acts 2. Whenever you, the, the disciples were filled with tongues. You know what happened? They were scared. They were frightened. They thought the, they could die. The next thing, they're on the streets just preaching. So bold. Would you not be bold if you stepped into the Trinity and realized, oh, I am a part. I am a part of God. I am, he, there is a, I am so in this thing. And tongues brings us into that very presence. That's why it's so important. Tongues gives us courage, and we step into the supernatural. Paul tells us, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We get courage, bold, whenever we tap in to the presence of God. That's why Gene Guthrie kept advocating so much that we, that we speak in tongues, because you're getting into the presence. We are meant to continually be connected to the full Trinity. 
through the doorway of tongues and thereby as we do we ourselves become a doorway for others to experience the fullness of God we become the doorway tongues so often does that that's why tongues can go from a personal language to all of a sudden public use in a supernatural way it becomes a doorway for others to glimpse and come into God this happens all the time last night we had a friend over for dinner we had some uh, people over for dinner and uh, he was telling us he was in Burundi and he was preaching and he had, he had learned a little bit of language uh, language Burundi for to speak and uh, he was preaching and he was using some of these words and then the next thing he knows for 20 minutes he just flows in that language and they were all whoa whoa where did you learn this language and he said he didn't know at the time but the only thing he can explain it now is that he just went into tongues speaking that language that happens all the time my parents have stories about that Norman Code from uh, Ivory Coast he was he was preaching he was uh, sorry he wasn't in Ivory Coast he was in a Portuguese speaking place but he was one of the missionaries that we were friends with and he, um, he was in a Portuguese-speaking place, and he was preaching in Portuguese. The next thing happens is he begins to speak in their language, but as far as he realizes, he's still speaking in Portuguese. This village gets saved. A week later, he goes back, and he's trying to communicate, and they say, what happened to your language? You were just last week, you were preaching in our language, and now you're back to Portuguese. We don't understand you. He says, I, I, I was preaching Portuguese. I said, no, you weren't. So many stories as we will step in and practice this doorway to the presence of God, all of a sudden it becomes a doorway for many others. God wants to use it in your life. Tongues. Now this third one, so it's a sign, it's a doorway. I could not think of a better way. I, could, I, I racked my brain for a long time saying, okay, what about this analogy? What about this analogy? How do I say this? So I had to create my own analogy. And this is the third thing. Tongues is a protein shake on steroids. That, that's, that's the only thing I could figure out. A protein shake on steroids. Let me give you the background to the verses we're about to read in 1 Corinthians 14. The Corinthian church was obsessed with speaking in tongues. They were obsessed with it. So much so that their meetings were just chaotic. And, they were, and all they could fixate on was that one particular gift, the speaking in tongues. So Paul writes this letter to Corinthians, and because they were fixated, praise the Lord for the, uh, that God had to correct the church, because in correcting the church, we actually learned so much. And one of the things we learned from the correction is he tried to show them that actually there's a lot of diverse gifts. There's so many spiritual gifts. So that's why you see in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, there's this gift, this gift, this gift, and you're obsessing with this one gift, but there's so much more. That's what Paul was trying to correct in 1 Corinthians 14. However, he wasn't trying to dumb the gift down, as so many interpret that wrongly. He wasn't trying to say, do away with the gift. He was trying to say, do the gift appropriately and let expand into more gifts. So that's what we learn from 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, sorry, 12, 13, and 14. But I want to zero in on a couple of verses, a few verses from verse 14. And in, in doing this, by the way, in bringing up the gifts, he's, he starts to contrast prophecy with tongues. And the reason he contrasts is because he's, he's trying to show you that tongues is really great. You get a lot out of it, but you have to remember that there's other people there as well. So prophecy is, a little, is more manward focused, and that can be actually more helpful in a public setting. 
So he contrasts the two. But don't get confused here. Don't think that he's trying to tell you to do away with this. He's just trying to bring this up. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14 says this. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue, this is very helpful because it's informational now. We see the nature of tongues. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So that's really helpful to understand. So often we think tongues is somehow just another form of prophecy. It's actually a form of praise. It's the Spirit in us, worshiping God. For no one understands Him, but He utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their uplifting and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Protein shake. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Then Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. Though he's not against it, he's for it. But even more, to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, meaning in a public setting. Unless someone, this is his clause, watch this, one who prophesies greater, unless, unless somebody interprets the tongue so that the church may be built up. Now, okay, now that's valuable if you can get it interpreted. Skip down to verse 13. It says, Therefore, one who speaks in the tongue should pray that he may interpret. You ever consider that? We often think we kind of pray for tongues. Or, or, or we'll, we'll, we'll pray in tongues out loud, or someone will pray in tongues out loud publicly, and then they'll kind of like, you know, drop the mic. Shabbat out, I gotta get to the top. And then somebody, and then now the, the person hosting kind of like has to pick it up and be like, oh shucks, is there going to be an interpretation? Please, God, let there be interpretation. And we're all kind of worried that, oh man, and everyone's like, quiet, is it going to be interpreted? We don't know, we don't know, it's awkward, kind of waiting around. But actually, before you drop the mic, just speak in tongues and then say, God, do you want to give me the interpretation? And if not, say, over to you. Sorry, Stan, I'm out of here. Good luck and put it in the host's hands. It's fine. But you might be able to also but uh, interpret. But Paul then values tongues as a gift that builds up the individual and builds up the church if it's interpreted. So I want to do a little bit more around this protein shake. And I was thinking, how, 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 why is protein shakes? Why is that a good thing? Well, well, so I decided to go to a trustworthy source. And I couldn't think of anyone more trustworthy than WW w.bodybuilding.com <laughs> I thought, nah, they'll, they'll know. They will know. I mean, have you seen? They know. You just go, you'll, you'll see. No, these guys know. These guys just know. Protein, they said, protein is used for the production of muscles. Without adequate protein, our bodies can't put together the structures that make up every cell, tissue, and organ, nor can it generate the biochemical substances needed for cardiovascular, your heart, function, muscle contraction, or growth and healing. Without an adequate amount of protein, our muscles wouldn't heal up as quickly and could therefore lead to overstraining your muscle, which could lead to injury. That's why I don't do exercise. Very dangerous stuff. <coughs> now let's think about this for a moment. Think about this at, from your spiritual muscles. Spiritual muscles like prayer, or praying for someone to be healed, or the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Now, I want to replace the word <clears throat> protein with the words the Holy Spirit. And let's read that again. <clears throat> so, 
Instead of protein is used for the production, here we go. The Holy Spirit is used for the production of spiritual muscles. Without adequate Holy Spirit, our hearts can't put together the structures that make up every spiritual cell needed for heart function, spiritual muscle contraction, growth, and healing. Without an adequate amount of Holy Spirit, our spiritual muscles wouldn't heal up as quickly and could therefore lead to overtraining your spiritual muscles, which could lead to injury or super-spiritualism. <clears throat> Tongues is like intravenously bringing the protein of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. It's like connecting directly, and it bypasses our mind, which is often the blockage. It bypasses it so that you can have a direct line. Your soul has a direct line to the Holy Spirit. And with that direct line, mind you, by the way, just, just a note, the Holy Spirit is the one who's the protein comes. Tongues is like the shake, just gets you there faster, gets you into the presence, gets the Holy Spirit effective and quicker, and then stops, the, it bypasses the blockages of the mind. That's what's happening. That's why Paul says, he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself because he wants you to learn to come to the Holy Spirit to be built up. And then he also says that he indicates that this is actually something that should be done privately because he says you can keep silent and speak to yourself in church when it's not appropriate to speak tongues publicly. So he says, like the guy sitting next to me when I was 10 years old, great practice of tongues. He says, speak to yourself, edify yourself. If, you don't, if, if it's not the, for the public, do it privately. Paul advocates private use of speaking in tongues. Then what happens is whenever you're in church and, you're and you might be privately speaking in tongues, there might be a moment where you realize this praise in me is not just meant to be heard by the Holy Spirit. It's meant to be heard by everybody. It's not just to be kept privately. It now needs to go public. So that's when you feel the urge. You might come and grab the mic and you might bring the prophetic, sorry, the, the, the tongue word. And you bring the tongue publicly. And that's where we want an interpretation. You might have it. So what if there is no interpretation? I can hear you saying, asking. This question always arises right after someone brings a tongue. And, 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 it, and it normally does go down like I described it. It's, the, it's that awkward moment that someone speaks in tongue and then they hand the mic over and everyone, and you might have just been worshiping and then you hear the tongue coming and all of a sudden you switch off and you're like, ooh, tongues, awkward. There's that moment that you're thinking, of all the Sundays I brought my unbelieving friend, they have to bring a tongue. And the preacher's even speaking on tongues all the nights. Oh, speaking on, why? And then you just switch off. And oftentimes it's kind of a little job like this where it's like, hmm, who's going to bring the tongue? Who's going to bring the interpretation? Oh, what's Stan going to do now? What's he going to stand? And it just goes quiet and everybody starts feeling the heat. It's like, oh, awkward. Silence, tumbleweeds flowing by the front. Showdown. Was this guy off the mark? Brings a prophetic tongue and no one's going to interpret. That's not the way to respond. Because while you're busy kind of looking around and seeing what's going to happen, or worse, judging the guy or judging the atmosphere, you actually should be saying, God, am I supposed to bring the interpretation? 
You have an opportunity to engage right in that moment with something supernatural to bring an interpretation of a tongue, a heavenly tongue. Wow, God, I want action. I want into this. You should be saying, do I have the interpretation? You don't click out. You don't check out. You check in at that moment and say, do I have the interpretation? And you listen and begin, you begin to, to either feel it in your heart or even hear the words. You know, my son Jonas has the gift of interpretation. It's the most incredible thing. Every time someone brings a word, he, he tries to grab the mic and interpret it. It's like, okay, okay, give someone else a chance here. He loves, he, I've never known anybody. I've known all, actually one other person that, that I know that said, no, I have the gift of interpretation. You know, when you do this little spiritual gift survey, you know how many people, gift of interpretation, bottom, at the very bottom. But it might be because you're not listening. You're not willing. You're not participating. What if you did? You might discover you've got that gift. Well, there could be so many reasons why an interpretation doesn't come. Well, it could be because you're supposed to bring it. Could be because someone is not being obedient. It could be because someone doesn't even realize they have the interpretation. They just hear it in their language and they're like, yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. It's wonderful. God, hallelujah. And without clicking into, whoa, I think this is something else. There's so many reasons. And uh, perhaps the person got it wrong. Perhaps they did. You ever feel the Holy Spirit lead you to go pray for somebody and then that person doesn't get healed? Does that mean you got it wrong and the Holy Spirit didn't was messed up? And you're like, geez, man, I wish I never prayed for that person to get healed. Bummer, bummer. So sorry I laid hands on your knee. I'll never do that again. And the person's saying, thank you, because you really hurt it when you grabbed me. But so, so many things that we, we, we're waiting, it, it, that we can wait. As we feel prompted, we need to go. You know, Paul, when he was trying to bring correction to the first Corinthians, uh, in First Corinthians to that church, it was because they were overemphasizing. I do not think that the, the modern church, and especially not Glenridge, I do not think we are in danger of overdoing tongues here. In fact, if anything, we're in danger of not giving it the place that it needs to be, of seeing it in our lives. And so we are not in danger, and I pray that we'll begin to see more public tongues, and especially more private tongues. Paul says that when we speak in a tongue, we're speaking to God. So I do often, in the interpretation, I'm often expecting the interpretation to be a Godward interpretation, as opposed to kind of God says this over you. God says that He loves you. Typically, an interpretation of tongue is God, we love you. It normally goes that way around. Even as you see in Acts 2, it says that they were amazed that they were proclaiming the works of God. But who are they proclaiming it to? Proclaiming it to God. God, you are so awesome. I can't believe you came and then Jesus died and, and then he rose again. And wow, it was awesome. And they're speaking in tongues in their language and they're like, wow, they're talking about the miracles of God. It wasn't, they didn't switch off and say, and God then says to you that that's prophecy. No, we're talking about tongues. So it normally is a Godward thing. So be listening for that Godward thing. It's prayer, it's a gift. You're meant to do it in public, but also in private, in more regular ways in private. I speak in tongues all the time. It's, it's become so natural that I have to be aware of where I'm at when, when I'm doing it because it's an hour. It's like, God, I'm just going to get in. And people like, yeah, I'm just getting excited about some things, you know. 
and, and I remember um, whenever I first got tongues and I started using it as much as I can, and you need to, you see, it's a gift that's given to you, and you can use it. Some people have had this misconception that I can only click into tongues when the power of God falls on me again. It's like, you know, there's lots of gifts, the gifts of, the, spirit, uh, the gifts of healing, the gift of mercy. It's like if you've got the gift of mercy, that's like saying I can only be merciful when the Holy Spirit falls on me. Other than that, I'm just waiting. I know you're asking. I know you need some help. Just I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm not feeling it. I'm so sorry. I'm just not feeling it. No, I know. Sorry. Back away. Can you imagine if Stan led us like that? The gift of leadership. I'm just kind of waiting. Guys, I, I, just, I, I just don't have it today. I just don't have it. I'm not going to lead you today. You're on your own. In fact, you're on your own. I'm on a sabbatical for six months. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Just not feeling the Holy Spirit said, no, no leadership today. Well, we can tap in. You get a word like Shabbat, which is the, everybody, that's just a joke, by the way, because everybody gets the word Shabbat. Or, that's kind of a charismatic humor. And some of you are like, what? Shabbat. Or, you know, she came on a Honda. <laughs> or see my bow tie, tie my bow tie. Uh, you know, I don't know. Just, you know, those kind of, it's kind of like the Catholics. My mother plays dominoes better than your mother. Okay, but anyway, but... We're getting off track here. I love, is that Latin? Okay. So I speak in tongues all the time. I love it. You know when I speak in tongues? It's when I'm scared. When Anya was born in the front seat of my car and I was delivering her by myself, guess what came out of me? And tears, obviously. I'm, I'm weeping. It's 4.30 in the morning. I'm shocked. I just woke up a few minutes before. God, I don't know what I... And I'm speaking in tongues. When you're scared, that's where you want to go. You want to come in, die right in the presence of God. I need the presence and the boldness and the courage to get through this. That's where tongues comes. Whenever you're passionate and you're praying over your children at night and you just want so much for them and your English runs out, guess where you go? Tongues. Because I want the Holy Spirit to fill this place. I want the Holy Spirit to fill them. I want them to be guided. I want the Holy Spirit to fill their spouses and maybe even strike them down if they're bad. And I, sorry, sorry. I'm getting confused. But I'm praying because I don't often know. If I were to pray in my flesh, I would say, dear God, Help that boy that comes and rings the doorbell. But whenever I pray for them, it moves. It moves. Oh, Lord, have mercy on him. I really should pray for him. When I'm uncertain, you need tongues. Where are you going to go? Don't you want to go to the Holy Spirit? Don't you want to just bypass your mind? Because your mind's going to say, oh, no, she's, he's going to really mess her life up. No, the Holy Spirit knows. Amen. She's... I think because Dea is sitting here on my right, I'm just, I'm letting her know that she must be scared, very scared. <laughs> Choose the right person if you want him to have legs for the rest of his life. <clears throat> and you might think to yourself, this is way too far-fetched, Drew. Come on, speak in another language. You know what's far-fetched? We believe Jesus came from a virgin. That's far-fetched. I mean, that's crazy. There are so many things that you already readily believe that are supernatural. Bust the grid. Out of your grid. Virgin birth. That God spoke through a donkey? I mean, you know how wacky that is? He spoke through a donkey, and we believe it, and we're like, yeah, it's amazing. And he parted a Red Sea. He parted a Red Sea. Two million people walked through the Red Sea. It was dry land. That's crazy. And then we're like, oh, no, but he won't use tongues. I mean, tongues is weird. I mean, the idea 
that the Holy Spirit in you would not talk to God? That's weird. I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's inside of you, and you think he's in there like... He's like, oh, I so, I so want to, oh, God's amazing, but geez, I better not speak in tongues because that died with the early church. <laughs> you see how frustrating the Holy Spirit's getting inside of you. You're like, mm, 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 please, please. And then you're just like, okay, God, fill me. I, I receive it. He's like, blah. It's like, finally, come on. It's crazy to think that God wouldn't talk to God. That's crazy. It's a natural thing. It should be natural. And it is a gift, but God expects it. Paul says, I wish that everybody would speak in tongues for so many reasons. Can it be learned? It cannot be learned. I wish it could. Maybe we should try. You guys, I'll say Shabbat, you say Shabbat and see if it works. It doesn't work. It is a gift, but there is a posture. In the, and, and, and Paul says you need to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. There's a posture of saying, I eagerly desire this. I eagerly, I press in. So often people come up when they, for, for prayer and they go, you want to speak in tongues, be filled with the Holy Spirit? And they're coming to see if this is real or not. And they make this silly, I don't know, probably you've done it before, this silly statement that, God, if this is really from you, then you're going to have to do it. And they're just there, folding their hands, and their mouths are just like, you're going to have to take a crowbar and crow these lips apart throw these lips apart, pull these lips apart, pry these lips apart if it's going to happen to me. And God's like, you know, I, I'm, I don't use crowbars. I'm not into that. I'm not going to hit you, Tanya Hardy, maybe, but not me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to force you. So you just sit there. And oftentimes I'll say to guys, just, just open your hands. There is a posture of saying, I'm open. I want it. So how do you get tongues? Well, it, it, this is how you get it. You're going to apply. I like to, how far are we? Can you go to the next slides? I think they're slain in the Holy Spirit back there. Oh, wow. There it is. Okay, the next one there. Get the next one. Apply. Apply. I think you can do this with every single, every single, at the end of every single preach. Every time God's speaking, you can apply. And this is how you're going to apply it. You're first going to say, God, I ask. I ask, what are you doing? I ask you even for the gift. I ask you for what's been on offer here tonight. I ask. And then you have to press in. That's where the eagerly desire comes from. I want to press in. And then sometimes you have to persist. I know my mom wanted to speak in tongues. For seven years, she kept praying that she would get the gift. I don't know why some get it in seven years and some get it in seven minutes. I don't understand how that works. But I do know that God is often forming in us something that we're not aware of. And His ways are way beyond our ways. But that persistence, God loves for His children to persist and get in there. And then the L, the L should normally be listen. So listen. But for this case, I'm going to say loosen up. Loosen up. Open your hands. Loosen up. Even begin to loosen up your mouth so that you can, it's just, I start to speak, you can start to speak in English. I encourage people, speak in English and pray. Just pray. And as you run out of words, how many of us run out of words when we're trying to pray and praise God? And allow the Holy Spirit to just take it and go loosen up and then yield. Yield to what he's doing. Are you ready? Do you, some of you want to speak in tongues tonight? I don't know, maybe all of you speak in tongues. This is such a mature group, I can tell. But maybe some of you don't. Well, we're going to make space. What do you think? You want to? Greg, you want to play some <coughs> little background music? That would be great. Um, let's get some music going. And then maybe a couple of leaders want to join us. Would you all stand? Let's just stand. And let's start 
Let's start by saying, I want more of you. I believe that God can not only give those who have never spoken in tongues, tongues, but those of you who have, you might get another language tonight. There's about four different types of tongues that I pray in. And I'm convinced at one point I prayed in Korean, but I can't, but I can't, I can't uh, verify that. That's why Jonas is learning, so he can, he can confirm that. I don't know, but I, I'm open. I'm just thinking, I'm excited for the day where I press in for more, and then my ec- ecstatic utterance becomes an actual known language, and somebody in the room says, falls down weeping. Amen. I'm excited for the day when God just takes and, and turns tongues into hands for the deaf, and someone just starts interpreting. Wouldn't that be great? There's so many things that we could have of God. Let's just begin to just open up and say, Lord, here we are.